Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. At the mention of your name, storms cease. At the mention of your name, mountains must move. At the mention of the name of Jesus, demons tremble and sickness flees. But there's coming a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Amen. Doesn't that feel good this morning to lift up his excellent name? Can we do that? Can we just keep clapping our hands and worshiping the Lord this morning? Can we do that because he's been good to us and faithful every time? It's always come through. Amen. Can anybody testify that Jesus Christ is worthy? All of the praise and all of the honor and all of the glory. You didn't know this today, but you just walked into his presence. You just walked into his power. And I know he's everywhere. I know that today. You may not have known it, but today you may just get that healing you've been praying for. Today you just may experience that deliverance and that strength that, that you weren't even expecting today. But Jesus is here. And when he's here, anything is possible this morning. We're thankful for that. So today is a very special day. It's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all our fathers. Just want to say that. Just kidding. Today is a very special day. Today we honor our mothers today. Every man, child today, would you help me clap and appreciate our blessed, wonderful mothers today. All of my mothers are a thousand miles away today. Whitney, one of my mother's wife slash wife, she is a, in Oklahoma today, and, and my mother and her mother are there, and so I wish them 
a happy Mother's Day. So because they're not here, I'm just extra wishing you a happy Mother's Day. All of the love I would have given them if they were here, we're giving to you today. We're just so thankful that you're here today, and we want to welcome you here to uh, our services here at Stratford Heights Church of Gay or Church of God, excuse me, this morning. I apologize for that. Church of God today. Church of God today. Anyways. So yes, there's no service tonight. There's no service. And if you are a visitor here today, um, we believe you're home. We believe you get your family involved and love God. Amen. Let's get out in the aisles and shake hands today for God is worthy and we're so glad you're here today.
praise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, good morning. Oh, that sounded wonderful. You're ready to be here today. Happy Mother's Day. Let's one more time give it up for all of the moms who are here today. I mean, what would we do without you? We wouldn't even be here, right? I heard that. What a wonderful day to celebrate one of the very most important people in our lives, our moms. Some of you, you're, you're dealing with a mom who has went on to glory. Some of you have had experiences where, you know, it hasn't been the greatest. But we all know one thing's for sure. The heart of a mom comes from God. She's a gift. The Bible says, where can we find a virtuous woman? It talks about that she is worth more than rubies. And I want to thank you. We, your church, want to bless you. So today we celebrate you. There's several moms. I would love to point them all out. But you know what? I'm just going to pick on one today. Liz, happy Mother's Day. We love you very much. As you know, she and Virgil have been going through a difficult season in, in Virgil's health. And, but God is working, and we're believing that he's with them. And she would normally be right here in the middle running everything, helping us, giving me good advice and helping me. But we are now helping them. We're lifting her arms up his arms up and praying for them. Well, we love you very much, and we wish you a very, your whole church wishes you a happy Mother's Day today. I'm especially excited to see a couple of their a whole family is here today visiting, and uh, these are two folks that 21 years ago, I married them, and they are here, Jason and Heather. They're right here, right here, Osborne. Would you like... Wave at them, but we love these folks. Their, their children are with them. They visited today, and Jason's went through a very difficult year. But God has brought him. He's got a smile on his face and good health, and I'm so thankful for that. He's also worked hard for the city of Franklin and been, been one, of the, one of the leading political figures there in that community. So we're thankful for his work there. We're so thankful for all of you. I want to go before the Lord now and ask him to be with us as we prepare our hearts for uh, the service today for Mother's Day. It's so important that we, as we connect with the state of Israel and the United States of America, that we take a moment out of our service, and we always do, to acknowledge Israel. The Bible says that we will seek the good of Israel, and that those who seek her good will be blessed. The Bible also says to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So we, as God's people, uphold that right, that that sancta. Vacation, and we hold up that, that sacred trust in our hearts that God is going to take care of them. By taking care of them, how many of you know he takes care of us? But we pray for them, and as we pray for them, we also pray for the United States of America and for all of our brothers and sisters around the world that uh, are go through, going through all kinds of, of attack and, and trouble and trial as they serve God with faith. Let's pray for all of these needs today. Father, as we come before you, Lord, we pray for the state of Israel. We lift her up and ask you to protect her borders. Keep your hand upon her sons and daughters, her families. We ask you, Lord, to touch her leaders. Minister strength to them, Lord, as they 
in their hearts and minds are doing what they consider to be the work of God, Lord, we know a great revival is coming to their land. We honor you today for them. Bless them, keep them, protect them, favor them, and let them know the mighty hand of God before them and behind them. And Lord, we also pray for the United States of America. We thank you that we are a God-blessed country. And even though we're in the midst of turmoil ourselves and so many folks who have turned their hearts and minds away from you, Lord, we honor you here today in our country. We know you will always have a remnant of those who will call out and seek the face of God. We honor you today. We ask you to protect our borders, to touch our people, to minister, Lord, to our economy and our leaders, especially as we're moving into an election year. We ask for the will and the purposes of God to be done. And Lord, we'll never fail to give you the honor. Bless your people everywhere and all around the world where they're suffering trial and tribulation. We ask you to keep your hand upon them. God, protect your people. Send your angels and dispatched armies around the world to protect the people who trust in their God. We ask all of this today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, giving you honor and glory. And everyone together said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Well, what a wonderful day it's going to be. You're going to enjoy the message. It's already at 8.30. I laughed and I cried. And I had to use, I mean, it got so bad I had to pull some Kleenexes out of the box. And you know that's some serious, serious stuff. So it's going to be a great service today. Our special guests with us, we have with us in service today, Carla and Jeff Robinson. Jeff is the administrative bishop for the Church of God in Indiana. And uh, I was with them about a year ago and was able to speak to pastors in their state and had a wonderful time, have loved them and known them for years. And uh, I asked her a year ago to come and speak on Mother's Day today. You are going to love his wife, Carla, is a minister and a speaker, and she is a delight. You are going to laugh and then you're going to cry. And ultimately, because I already know the message, you're going to be blessed as God has given her a message that I, walking out the door, I told her, I said, has to be one of the very best Mother's Day messages I think I've ever heard. And so you're in store for a wonderful day today. I want both of them to stand and receive a welcome from Stratford Heights Church. And I won't give anything away, but all I got to say is they, they brought their children, and wow, what a testimony for these children in their lives. And I want them to stand. We have Stone, Lily, and Abby. After you get done with the service, you'll want to do like I did. I rushed them, and I said, I want a hug. And so I hugged them. Wonderful testimonies of God's love in their lives and their family. But that message is for us today, and I want to also thank and appreciate Sister Ann Willeman for being with us in service. This is the first time she's been able to be with us in service since she's been in the hospital and since they've had the house fire. And Ann, we love you. Welcome back home to church, and we're so delighted to see you. I would like for Andrew and Nicole Locke, if they would, to uh, find us. There they are. Here they come. This is a very special couple. And I want to, to give you a little insight today, a little introduction as to what they're going to be doing for us. They're joining our ministry teams. They've been part of our congregation for a while, but they're going to be, they're stepping up into some new roles to help us. And I want you to know what they are, because one is a role that we've never had at Stratford Heights Church before. And that is the role of volunteer life director. You know, as you, if you look through those windows and if you've had occasion to be able to be out in the new construction, 26,310 square feet coming to Stratford Heights starting July. 
and it is going to be an amazing facility, and you're going to love it. It's, we don't, we're not going to know what to do with it. We've stacked ourselves on top of each other for 22, 23 years, so we won't know what to do with space to actually expand our ministries. But what it is going to involve is a lot more volunteers, a lot of folks. We've kind of calculated, Nicole, that we're going to have somewhere close to 800 people that will be needed to be volunteers in all of the areas of ministry that we're fixing to get into. Can, can you say amen? amen? Or can you say, oh, me? <laughs> all right. Okay. So much for the jokes. Me and Cameron, we're on it today, aren't we? <laughs> Welcome to Stratford Heights Church. All right. We love each other, and I am going to rib him all week over that. I'm just going to do that. And he'll get me next week. So, But, Nicole, I want to thank you because you're stepping into a new role at our church as volunteer life director. What she's going to be doing is she's going to be working with all of our ministries, and she's going to be that person, that link between ministry opportunity and folks who are sitting in the congregation. A lot of times maybe you've been here and you've thought, you know, how do you get involved in a large church? Where do you find you know, that avenue, how do you find your niche? She is going to be that person. She's going to be working hard with all of our pastors and leaders and directors and other ministries. She'll be coming alongside of them to assess their needs, and then she'll be putting together the resources and the pool of folks who will be able to meet those needs. So if you have any desire at all to be involved in ministry, if you're one of those 800 that we need, then we want you to get hooked up with Nicole. This is Nicole Locke, and she's going to be working very hard this year. She's already started. She's been working with all the ministry directors and leaders, and she is doing a fantastic job, and we appreciate her. So would you make welcome your brand-new Volunteer Life Director. Amen. And this guy right here, this is Andrew Locke. If you don't know Andrew, Andrew is probably older than all of you. He looks pretty good for 100 years old. Not really. But what he is, is he is part of the family. The, the, his great-great-grandparents actually were the folks who opened up their home to a Bible study and prayer meeting on Auburn Street in Middletown. And from there, those few folks with a little green bean casserole on the side in a Bible study literally were the very beginnings and origins of this church you're sitting in today 100 years later. So it's exciting to have him, and he loves his history, and we've talked about it a lot. And if you've seen the video that was put together this year, the documentary for a 100-year celebration, you know how all that went down. So we're excited that his great-great-grandparents can look down from heaven and know that he is busy and active as our brand-new Iron Man minister. He's the director over men's ministry. Men's ministry has been part of our church for a long time. We've done several different things and attempts through the years to make it a strong, viable ministry, but this guy is thinking outside the box. He has got so many great ideas for what he's going to be doing and in initiating a brand new ministry in our church, of one that is going to have a lot of activities, events, and ministry opportunity. And he's going to be working hard to do that, and we appreciate him. I especially think it's awesome, after 100 years of heritage in our church, that he is now our new Ironman director over men's ministry. So I want you to welcome him as he takes on that role. Amen. So, Gary made reference in the early service that he was the model for the logo, which shows an arm with a big muscle. Somehow, I think he might need to step forward for repentance at the end of service. But it's going to be, it's going to be a great year, and we're looking forward to it. All of the guys... Get ready. Hold on to your hat because it's coming, and it's going to be a great ministry. And as a matter of fact, Andrew, won't you tell us about the very first event that you have planned? 
Good morning. Um, I'm extremely excited to uh, to be in this new role. Uh, our first uh, event is going to be over at the Mecham Auto Auction. It's over in Indianapolis. It's going to be May 21st. Uh, we're going to meet here at the church around 7:30. Uh, there's more details to come. It's going to be about $35. Uh, that will get you admission and then also uh, gas money for over there. We're going to take the bus. Uh, we have enough people. Uh, the church van as well. So we're extremely excited to get it rolling. Uh, we're going to try to do at least one event. Each, uh, each month, and then maybe some surprise events along the way. Uh, we're going to have a uh, Facebook page. Uh, we'll be on Twitter, uh, Instagram, everything, all the social medias. Uh, my email address is also in the bulletin today. So if you have any questions, always catch me. Uh, I'll try to get an email group uh, together and also a text group to try to get all the invitations out or whatever. So uh, after that, we're going to try to do a golf league uh, maybe once we get back from Alaska try to get that going too. So if you have any questions, please let me know. If you have any ideas, I'm always all ears on that too. So thank you. God bless you guys. Thank you very much. As we get ready for our, our, our worship time, I'm going to go ahead and, and just let you know that Sister Carla Robinson will be following the last song the choir does today. And she's bringing a powerful message. I want you to keep your heart and mind ready what God is going to share with you today. And thank you so much again for being here, moms especially. Enjoy your day. There's nothing like the heart of a mom. I know in my own life, mom meant the world. And moms everywhere. I believe with all my heart, if you look at Proverbs 31, you see very closely that the heart of mom is much, much the very origin that I believe comes out of the heart of God. And you are the heart of God. Us guys, we love, and I've seen some great fathers, awesome fathers. But there's just nothing like the love of a mom. So we celebrate you today. We won't have service this evening for one main reason. You know, I drove for many, many years all the way to Dayton, north of Dayton, to be with my mom after church on Sunday on Mother's Day. And for those years, I always, to be quite honest, I didn't feel unspiritual for the fact that I was very sad when I had been there for about an hour to an hour and a half when I had to turn around, kiss my mom on the cheek and say, Mom, I got to go. We got church tonight. I had to get back for choir rehearsal, and I'd get back for this, and I was in the choir, and, and I would fly all the way back, an hour drive all the way back to Dayton, or back to Middletown. When I became pastor, I said, you know what, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. We're going to spend time with our moms today. And so what I want you to do, if you have your mom, it's worth it. And even for those of us who no longer have our mothers with us, I still want you to have what I didn't have. I want you to spend the afternoon with your family. Kids, I want you to honor your mother. I want you to clean the house. I want you to give, cook up her favorite meal. Some of you are like, no, don't ask him to do that. Dads, I want you to embrace them and love on them. Give them a beautiful day today. Let them feel loved and appreciated. Your family is the most important institution God ever created. And you have that. You have it with you. So cherish it. So we'll honor and love your mothers today. And don't worry about the time. Spend the day with your family. And that is the right thing. And you know what? I think it's even spiritual. Amen? Amen. So God bless you as our ushers come to serve you this morning. I would remind you that God is a giver. God is a giver. He says in his word to do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, or at least the golden rule as we understand it. He wants us to love 
not only him, but to love others around us. God teaches us all through his scriptures about giving, about loving, about reaching out. As you give today, I want you to give. As we give in our loose offering, we give to world missions around the world. I don't want you to give an offering today. I want you to give to meet a need. Our missionaries are in more dangerous opportunities and lives than they've ever been before. They need not only our prayers, but our support. I'm not asking for us. You know how it works here. Your church practices the very thing it preaches to you. We teach here in our church that we are givers. The church gives as well. All the loose offering in both services at our largest crowd goes completely out to world missions. And God has blessed us because we do that. I believe the Lord will bless you as you give. Give as unto the Lord and not unto men. And as you do, the blessing of God comes back to you. How many have known the blessing of God coming back to those who give? Amen. Amen. Father, we come to you. We honor you and we thank you today. We bless you. Thank you for taking care of your people. Lord, we don't, we don't miss sometimes those trials and troubles in our lives. We, we find that there are lessons in them for us. and They make us stronger and better people. But Lord, I pray that you will touch us today as we give to help meet the needs, to help, Lord, cross all borders and boundaries to the ministry that's happening all around the world, whether it's South America or Eastern and Western Europe or even in Africa. Wherever it is that we have support, even as far north as Barrow, Alaska, we ask you to touch and minister through our gifts today as we honor you and give, Lord, because you're a giver, because you have always given to us. And Lord, in order for us to be more like you, we've got to learn to give more. We thank you for this as we learn it all. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.
can you just take a moment and lift your hands to God Almighty? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your faithful presence. Thank you for the breath of heaven. Thank you for the fire that burns. Thank you for your favor on your people. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your promises. Thank you for your faithfulness. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We seek your face. joy it is for me to be at Stratford Heights, and uh, I just want to tell you that um, those of you that know my sister Charlotte and her husband Chris Music, uh, they would want me to tell you that they say hello and that they love you. They certainly think the world of you, as do so many people across this country in the Church of God. Your church has a beautiful reputation of being a body of Christ that loves the Lord, loves their pastor, loves their staff, is always willing to do new and exciting things, and it's just a joy to be here with you. I feel the presence of the Lord, don't you? And he's so good, and I do have a word from the Lord for you today, and I feel like it is going to minister to someone. And I uh, want to just say, I don't have long to talk to you, so, you know, I'm 52 years old, and I'm a size, none of y'all's business, and, uh, and so if you'll just let me, I will, if you will let me just uh, communicate with you, which comes most naturally for me, I'm basically a storyteller, so I'm going to tell you a story, and if you'll just let me have some fun and be willing to move with me in and out of humor and into God's Word, it would really be a blessing to me. And I think that the Lord has something specific that He wants to encourage you with today, with this story that uh, He has blessed my life with. He is a fantastic God, and He does fantastic miracles. And he is certainly able to do whatever it is that you need from him today. 1 Corinthians 1.9 simply tells us that God is faithful. It's just as simple as that. God is love. God is faithful. God is good. He's all things that are good. He proves his faithfulness to us in so many ways every single day, every year when we think of what he's done for us just today. Now, I'm going to tell you a story of how I became a mom, but I would prefer for you to hear my story, but let the Lord touch you and speak to you about his faithfulness on the things that you are in need of today. 
uh, someone in this room needs a healing and someone in this room needs a deliverance. Someone in this room needs there to be peace in their home. Someone in this room needs a financial miracle. Somebody in this room is looking for a helpmate to them. There are so many needs in this room and God is faithful and his presence is here and he can do a mighty great thing for you. So as I'm telling my story, I want you to be thinking about that thing that you are so desperate for in your life. How many of you have had a prayer, a need in your life that you have taken before the throne of God for more than a week? Would you raise your hand? Now, I just want you to keep your hands up. Just please keep them up. I really want you to do this. You've had something you've gone to God for for more than a week. Now, keep your hands up if you've gone to God for that same need more than a month. Now, you've gone to him about this for more than a year. How many of you have gone to God with this one need for more than five years? How many of you have gone to God with this one need desperate for him to move for 10 years or more? I want you just to look around. Keep your hands up. Just look around at how many people have been praying for something for more than 10 years. You can put your hands down. And yet, we say God is faithful. And he is. And he is faithful. He's a faithful God. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He's not capable to change. He does not change. He is who he is, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is a good God. I got married at age 24 in 1988. And I told my husband the year we got married, I said, next year we're going to have a baby, and it's going to be a boy. And then two years later, we're going to have another baby, and it's going to be a girl. And then I'm going to be a very young, skinny, traveling grandmother. That was my plan. And uh, it's not exactly how things went down. You know, Proverbs 16.9 says that people may make plans in their mind, but the Lord decides what they will do. And so even though I had this plan that was a godly plan, it didn't quite happen that way. Psalms 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. As Christian people, we love that scripture. I mean, we use that scripture constantly. He's going to give you the desires of your heart. He's going to give you the desires of your heart. He's going to give you the desires of your heart. He's going to give you the desires of your heart, and he will. But the first part of that uh, verse says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So I did some study on that word delight and found out that it really means to love the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. It's an if and then statement. If you delight yourself in the Lord, then he will give you the desires of your heart. What does that mean? He will give you the desires of your heart when you receive the, your joy from the Lord, when you're satisfied with the Lord, when your happiness comes from the Lord, when you glory in the Lord, when you rejoice in the Lord, when you please the Lord, when you obey the Lord, then he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, does that mean that if you've been praying for the same thing forever and ever and ever and he has not answered your prayer the way you thought he would, then you've done something wrong? 
Not if you're obeying the word of God and loving the word of God and pleasing the Lord and praying unto the Lord. But listen to this principle of God's word. When we truly delight ourselves in the Lord, when we truly delight in him and we're satisfied with him and him alone and we glory in him and him alone and we rejoice in him and him alone and we are pleased by pleasing him, then our desires are completely affected. Completely. So what I'm going to tell you is that I desired something godly, good, and I was living right and doing right and not cussing and not drinking and not smoking and not being ugly and not gossiping and going to church. I wasn't perfect, but I was doing, I was tithing, I was striving, I was, I was moving towards the Lord. I was saying, breathe on me, Lord. I was, I was in his house. I was around his people and I was asking and nothing. I begged God. I pleaded with God. I bargained with God. I reminded God of how worthy I was to receive this thing that I was praying for. I'm worthy, God. I'm a good girl. I'm a good girl. I ask boldly because Hebrews 4.16 says, Approach the throne boldly, confidently, that you might receive grace and mercy in your time of need. So I came bold. I put God first because Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. What things? All things that you need because he is our great provider. I didn't ask amiss because James 4, 3 says when you ask, sometimes you don't receive because you're asking with the wrong motives, things for your own pleasure. So I tried to keep this in check, you know, Lord, this is a good thing that I'm asking for, to be a mom. A healing is a good thing. Financial freedom is a good thing. Peace in your home is a good thing. I acknowledged God's sovereignty because even Christ said and exampled for us, not my will, but thy will be done. And I was patient because Isaiah 40, 31 says, They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Be still and know that I am God. I petition daily because the Bible says sometimes you don't have because you're not even asking. You're on Facebook and Twitter and around the coffee table and at Starbucks and, and even talking to people around the church, but you're not talking to me about this thing. I need you to talk to me about this. I felt like I was pushing like spiritual buttons trying to say something. If I say it this way, then God will do it. If I, if I tell him in this way, then God will do it. God, I, 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 want you to, I want you to shut the door. If it's not your will, I want you to shut the door. Never dreaming that God might actually shut the door. It's like, uh, I, 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 I want you to shut the door if it's not your will. But now you and I both know this is your will. It would have been easier if God had come down and just said, no. No, I will not heal you. I have my reasons. I'm not going to do it. No, you're going to struggle financially your entire existence. It's, it's, I have a reason, but you will be a struggler. No, you will not ever have a child. It is I have a I have a I have an omnipotent purpose, but you will never have a child. Sometimes that would be easier, wouldn't it? Just to hear God say no and then move on. But when He is silent, sometimes it is very, very challenging. And on all of these years, when I was trying to have a 
family and, and be a mom. I got so much advice, crazy advice. My mother-in-law told me that Lori Fisher got pregnant in Europe. I told my husband, get me a passport. Let's go to Paris. <laughs> I had a Romanian woman that came up to me and said, you'll need to take Romanian vitamins. You take Romanian vitamins, you'll get pregnant. I said, well, give me some. Give them to me. <laughs> Nothing. I had multiple people. with so many people. I couldn't even tell you how many people would come up and tell me, you're just trying too hard. Because I was doing the mornings and Jeff was doing the evenings and I got to going in a big way and it, I was like, he's an on-time God. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> and it's just like me. I'm wanting a baby. <laughs> but I don't have one. <laughs> but one day. So that afternoon when Jeff was out playing ball, this woman came over to me. She was working in the cafeteria. And she came over to me and she said, um, <clears throat> I'm going to tell you how to have a baby. I got 12 chilling. I said, I'm on the edge of my seat. She said, all you need to do to have a baby is, well, aren't y'all all very attentive? Y'all are a very attentive, very attentive young people. I've never seen more attentive young people in all my days. Very, very attentive. No, seriously, she said, uh, all you need to do to get pregnant is, your man. I said, say it one more time for me now. She said, you just need to love your man. Don't you think about the dishes? Don't you think about church work? Don't you think about Sunday's coming? You just love your man. I said, I'm going to do that. So that afternoon when Jeff got in from playing ball out in uh, Iowa and he was all sweaty and we were in the middle of a cornfield in a godforsaken cabin, he walked in, I was standing in the middle of the floor, said, get on over here now, boy, you're here. Nothing. <laughs> I was told that there are certain times that you can become a mom easier because your temperature goes up. I didn't know these things. So Jeff was next door at the church. I was at the parsonage. He was counseling a couple. I called him. I said, baby, you better get over here right now because I am hot. and I would go into the bathroom and I would believe it and I would claim it and I would name it and I'm going to be pregnant and I'm pregnant and I'm going to be a mom and I, this is happening in the name of Jesus and I've come bold and I've petitioned and I've, I've, I've submitted and I've, I've not asked amiss and I've done all these things. And I would wait 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 and I would think, is that a little bit of pink? Is that a little bit of pink? And I would be in that little room by myself every month for years. God! Are you there? Do you even care? In all these years, I was turning 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31. Now, you know I've got 
like kids now, but these were hard years. 32, 33, 34, I was getting older and older and older. I was thinking, I was young, but now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I wanted a child. I wanted something good, but there was no answer at all. David said, all this has happened to me, though I've not forgotten you. I've not been false to your covenant. My heart's never turned back. My feet have not strayed from your path. Why? Why won't you heal everybody? Why won't you let everyone have financial freedom and liberty? Why won't you give everyone a spouse? Why won't everyone's children be respectful? Why, God, why? But I knew... I knew I was solid enough with the Lord that I knew that in these moments of hurt, in these moments of not understanding, in these moments when my faith was kind of shaking, that I knew that I needed to get into the presence of the Lord. I needed to say, breathe on me because in his presence is the fullness of joy, Psalm says. And Nehemiah says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. So no matter what you're going through, get into the presence of the Lord. He will give you joy and he will give you strength and he is faithful. In those times, I would not feel anything, nothing. But I knew to get into the presence of the Lord. I would go into my own private area and I would kneel down and I would say, you are good. You're worthy to be praised. You're the first and you're the last. And I would feel nothing. And I would continue to pray and I would say, you knew me before I was born. You created a work for me that only I can do. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made in your image. You spoke the world into existence. Without you, nothing that is, is. And I would begin to feel a softening of my spirit. As I entered into his presence and relied on the word of God, I would begin to say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. With Christ, all things are possible. In him I move and breathe and have my being. And before I knew it, my delight had caused my desire to change. And I no longer was thinking, I want, I want, I need, please give. But instead, I was thinking, you are, you are, you are, you are, you are. And regardless of what you are facing, that spiritual principle is a lifeline of joy for you. Get into the presence of the Lord. Then I would say to myself, why are you cast down, oh my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. Then I could say, I don't care if I ever have a baby or not. I don't care. Maybe I'm meant never to be a mom. That's okay. I'm going to worship God. That's saying even if the healing does not come with my last breath, I will praise the Lord. That's saying I may struggle financially for all of my life, but I will tithe and I will give unto the Lord for he is worthy of my praise he is worthy he is worthy when your delight changes your desire changes and then we decided that we would adopt 
and we had an adoption that fell through. Very, very painful. One of those moments when I said, God, if it's not your will, shut the door. And he shut that door. Shut that door. Later that same year, we got a call about a little girl who was to be born in Alabama, where I happened to be from, but my husband and I were living in Maryland at the time. The birth mother lived in Birmingham, so we had to get a home study and a lawyer and a social worker in Alabama, as well as in Maryland. We did that. We met the birth mother, precious, young, 15-year-old girl who I could have adopted her myself. I fell so in love with her. I remember I kind of looked at Jeff after meeting her and said, Jeff, do you think maybe? And he was like, you don't even need to go there. We're not doing something crazy. And so, so we, were, we, we had met the birth mother, and the baby was to be born on March 23rd, 1998. And on February 19th, we were in Delaware at my sister's, helping her move into her new pastorate at their house. Jeff called back and checked the answering machine, and there was a message from Tim Stone. Tim Stone was a guy that we went to school with at Lee, and now he's an OBGYN in um, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, right outside of Birmingham. He wanted to know if we were still wanting to adopt, and we were, and, uh, but we were involved in an adoption, and you can't begin an adoption until six months after one is completed. Uh, well, you can't begin one until one has completed, and it takes six months for that to take place. So we were explaining that, and we asked him, well, when, he, he said, because I have a patient that is going to give her uh, baby up for adoption, and she has no plan. I said, well, when's the baby due? The baby was born this morning. He said, okay. Well, I told my husband, well, we don't want to do this because I, we've already met Abigail's birth mother, and I, that would destroy her, and I just can't do it. And Jeff said, what if God knows that the birth mother is going to change her mind? So he's providing for us. I don't know, Jeff. I do not know. So we prayed all night long, all night long. We got on a plane the next morning but with nothing but one little outfit for a baby boy. We got to um, Alabama, Birmingham, because remember, we already had our home study, our social worker, our lawyer in Alabama. So we went. We walked into the hospital. Tim, Tim Stone says, there's a problem. He said, okay, so we went up to his office. He said, the birth mother signed all the adoption papers, but she left without signing the hospital release form. So you have, we cannot legally release this baby to someone else until she has um, signed the hospital release form. And I said, well, call her. And he said, well, she doesn't have a phone. I said, well, send somebody from the hospital over to her house. He said, it's a post office box only. I said, well, what are you telling me? He said, I'm telling you we have 36 hours, and then we have to turn the baby over to Alabama Human Services, which there's no way we would have gotten a baby coming from Maryland um, if that had happened. So he said, I don't even know if you want to meet the baby. I said, no, we want to meet him. So we went downstairs, and Tim had been with the baby all night long. And Tim, I'll never forget, I heard him behind the, behind the curtain or the, uh, the little room there. I heard him say, are you ready to meet your mommy? And he brought this child out, this little white, redneck-looking little boy. And the little boy was doing this right here with both hands. I said, oh, Lord, he is Pentecostal because he was just doing that. And uh, Tim said, you can, you can talk to him, but you can't touch him because you have no rights to him. I said, okay, no problem. So I just got down real close to him, and I said, hey, baby. Hey, darling. Oh, my goodness. You're so cute. Oh, my. 
and the nurses were crying, and Tim was crying because they'd been with the baby all night long. And Tim said, well, you can touch him, but you can't hold him. I said, okay, you're so sweet. Thank you so much. In the name of Jesus, I claim this child. This is my boy right here, God. So then Jeff and I, we went riding around. We knew two things. We knew the age of the birth mother and a last name. That's what we knew. So we're riding around, and, uh, and we're not in a subdivision-type area of Alabama, y'all. We were in the sticks of Alabama outside of Tuscaloosa. And it's just riding down a road, two-lane road, and there would be a dirt road over here, and then there might be three little houses here, and then a trailer up there, and then another dirt road, just out, out there. So we're riding around. I don't know what we were looking for, really. I really don't. Jeff had gotten the vicinity of the post office box. From the post office, the little post office, he looked on the, I didn't even know you could do this. He looked in the telephone book or somehow and figured out the area that that covered. And we just started riding around, praying. And so I have a very vivid imagination. And uh, when we weren't one of these, we weren't, I wasn't the type of uh, woman who went ahead and got a nursery and a baby bed and named my baby and all that because I knew if I did that, you know, when we were wanting a baby, I knew if I did that and we never got a baby, I'd end up with a baby doll like on some soap opera going, my baby, my baby, my baby, my baby. And so I knew not to do that. So anyway, we, we, we didn't. We were just riding around praying, feeling very despair. And I said to Jeff, I need a yoo-hoo. Because when I get truly stressed out, I want chocolate. And I said, I want a yoo-hoo. So we, saw, we found this little store. And it was not even a real store. It was like a 7-Eleven wannabe. It was a ranch house that somebody had made into a little convenience store. No gas station, just just gravel in front of the little house and they probably lived in that house I have no idea it was just a little mart of some sort some weird Alabama mart and uh, so we pulled in and when we pulled in the way it was there was an embankment right here in this little house set right here so when we pulled in Jeff was right here he couldn't see past the store he, he was blinded but from here I could see right past the little house or the store up on a hill. I could see up on a hill. So Jeff went in to get me a Yoo-Hoo. And it was starting to get dark. February, 9, uh, February 20th, 1998. And only twice in my life has the Lord audibly spoken to me. I don't know if you would have heard it or not. Because both times I've been alone. <laughs> Isn't that something? I've been alone every time it's happened. And so anyway, so Jeff went into the store and a woman steps out from this little trailer up behind this store. And she yelled out to another child. She might have been out there 10 minutes. No, 10 seconds. I mean, she came out. She had a robe on. She said something. She went right back in. Way up there. And the Lord spoke to me and said, that's her. And I said, huh? <laughs> is that you, Lord? Or is that me wanting something so bad? Total silence. Was that you, Lord? 
God, was that you? Total silence. Tears began to roll down my face. Jeff came out. He had a big yoo-hoo. Ice cold. He gets in the car. I'm weeping. He said, Carla, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I said, no, these are tears of joy. He said, why? I said, because she lives right back there, Jeff. And he said, how do you know that? I said, God just told me that. And being the man of God that he is, he looked at me and said, oh, Carla. My baby, my baby, my baby, my baby. And I said, no, Jeff, I'm serious. So we called our lawyer in Birmingham. He said, you got to get me somebody that I can swear in as a representative of the state or of my office. So we went and got my first cousin who was studying law, University of Alabama, Tuscaloosa. He swore her in over the phone as a representative of his office. We went and stayed at that post office parking lot of the vicinity that we had originally been to while she went up to this little trailer, knocked on the door, and it was her because God had said that it was. And that's when I got my very first gift. And you can put the picture up there. And we got Stone Bennett Robinson. And what a joy he's been. Now, now that I'm holding my gift, listen to me. Now that I'm holding the answer, now that the miracle has come, now I can say as Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Now I can say, wait for the Lord, be strong, take heart, and wait for the Lord. Now Stone, he's a rascal. You can go to the next picture. He's been a rascal in our lives. When he was about three, maybe almost four, he, I was yelling and said, Stone, why would you do that? Why would you do that? And he said, me no no. What I know no what I do, I do. What I want to, I don't do. I said, woo, you are the Apostle Paul. Now bend over, I'm fixing to spank your tail. What a joy he's been. Then Abigail was to be born in five weeks, six weeks. So we were in Alabama. We had to stay for two weeks. Then we went back to Maryland where we were pastoring. I didn't want Abigail anymore. I mean, I had somebody peeing in my face. There was pictures. I was tired. I was getting lotion. People were giving me gifts. There was all kinds of wonderful stuff happening to us. But Jeff said, no, we have believed for Abigail. We've met Abigail's birth mother. God's going to give us Abigail. He said, I'll stay on the phone. for, And he did for hours and hours and hours he stayed on the phone until judges we never knew, social workers we never met, lawyers we don't even know. They turned and overturned laws for us to be able to adopt Abigail. So we were back in Maryland. I was feeling a little overwhelmed, sleep deprived, had stone. Another newborn's about to come into our life in just five weeks, three at that point in three more weeks. Jeff said, why don't you go buy something? Because buying something always calms me right down. <laughs> so I said, okay, well, I'm going to go buy a diaper bag. So I went to this little boutique and I bought a $129 diaper bag because I was stupid because a 1999 Walmart bag will do you just the same thing. I learned that. I learned that. But anyway, I come back with Charlotte. She was with me, and I pull up, and Jeff meets us out in the carport, and he says, I have something to tell you. I said, what? He said, Abigail's birth mother just went into labor. I said, oh, no, she didn't. She cannot do that. I've got three more weeks. He said, I don't think so. 
So we got on a plane and went back to Alabama, and we got our second gift, Abigail Blue. And you can show them. Little Abigail. Abigail, she's half Hawaiian, born in Birmingham, same lawyer, same social worker, same home study. She is just such a joy. She is sweet and kind and good and and skinny and beautiful skin and she's half Hawaiian and she's everything I'm not this child is she is so good she's a good girl but anyway when I was in the hospital holding Abby this guy came in big old guy and he said is that your baby I said yes it is and he said well, you look good he said my wife's laying up there like she can't hardly move I said I don't know what to tell you some of us have it and some of us don't that's all I know to say. He probably went up to that room and said, get out of that bed. <laughs> so I had twins. This is what I'm going to show you. I had twins coming up right here on this next picture. Abby had dark hair, brown eyes, tan skin, 8.4 pounds. She was a girl. Stone was a boy, blonde hair, green eyes, red neck, white, 6.4 pounds, 5'9". <laughs> and still people would say, identical And I really wrestled with that spiritually. Sometimes I would say no. Sometimes I would say, well, they're not really twins. And then I didn't want to tell everybody that they were adopted. So I had this ethical thing I was going through. So I finally came up with what I would say. So I went to the mall, and the first person that came up and said, identical, I said, no. Actually, um, they're three weeks apart. But they're my twins. And she said, oh, my goodness. Now, I've heard of that did you have to stay in the hospital the whole entire time? I said, no, no. Actually, I picked up one at the hospital, went to Maryland, and then went back to Alabama three weeks later to the day. Oh, my goodness. I didn't think they would let you fly. Wilbur, did you hear that? So now that I'm holding two gifts, two answers, two miracles, now I can say, blessed is that woman who makes the Lord her trust. Many, O oh Lord, my God, are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts towards us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I were to declare and speak of them, they are too many to be numbered. Let's look at the next picture. Now I can say all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Now I can say as Hebrews, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering he who promised is faithful <laughs> then the unthinkable happened I felt the need to take another one of those little tests went in there within two seconds fuchsia pink and I said, God, are you there? Do you even care? Now I know what Isaiah meant in 55. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. Now listen to this biblical principle. I did not ask for this gift. I did not want this gift. I was not thinking about this gift. This was my mercy gift. 
this was my mercy gift because I cried when I found out I was getting this gift. And this is who she is. Lily Marie. Lily Marie. God knew what I needed when I did not know what I needed myself. Lily is so full of life. She's such an entertainer. She brings us so much joy. She talks all the time. She's a little overly dramatic. Check this picture out. And I don't know where she gets it. So we have three babies. Go to the next picture. A triple stroller, three cribs, a minivan. Be very careful what you ask God for. I'll never forget, you might think horrible of me, but I'm just going to tell you the truth. Ladies, mothers, please relieve yourself of the pressure. Don't let people intimidate you. When I was a mother of three babies in diapers, I would get up in the morning and take Cheerios. And I would... Cheerios around and I knew that they would be busy for hours and at night I would just vacuum them right up and that is a true story one time when I was cooking and Lily's laying on a mat and she can't even roll not even a little bit I see stone he's just like 20 months old he's standing over her and he's he's doing this and she's choking and I ran over there I said stone did you put a Cheerio in her mouth he just looks at me did you put a Cheerio in her mouth? And I'm digging around in her mouth. Did you put a Cheerio in her mouth? And he said, I don't know. So yes, Lily was eating Stone's boogers. And this is what I begged God for. Begged him. Go to the next picture. These are my gifts. Go to the next picture. This is what God saw when he saw my life. When I was begging, pleading, bargaining, asking, hurt. This is what God saw. Go to the next picture. These are my kids. Two are 18. They're seniors. One's a junior. Two of them are about to go to Lee University. Gifted. Have brought us so much joy. I'm closing, but I want you to listen to me. The gift is not about you. The gift is about the giver. Please hear me. The gift is about the giver. If I had gotten the desire of my heart, the desire of my heart, what I'm pleading, begging, bargaining, reminding, being patient, coming bold, stepping back, submitting, this is the only gift I would have had. Because I did not know to pray for those gifts. I didn't even know those gifts were possible. I knew nothing about how to get those gifts. If this gift right here had been born three weeks earlier, just three weeks in the whole totality of the universe, I wouldn't have gotten this gift right here. It's about the giver. He knew that there would be a young 15-year-old birth mother in crisis. He knew that Abigail Blue Robinson was my daughter. 
He knew that we had to wait. We had to wait. We had to wait for Abigail. He knew that this birth mother would be in such crisis that no one would even know she was expecting. He knew that he was going to let her step out on that porch for 10 seconds on one day. At one moment when I would be sitting down at that little store. And he would say, that's her. Why? For me? Yes, out of his blessings, but for Stone. And for Stone's children. And for Stone's children's children's children. Should the Lord tarry. One thing I know, if you'll just give me a moment to take advantage of this moment, is God has a calling on your life, Stone. He has, he has a calling, Abby, on your life. Lily, dear Lord, I didn't even want you. He has a calling on your life. Listen to the principles of God. What I begged for, he did not give me. What I did not ask for, he gave me. When I wasn't even asking, he laid it on thick for me. It is not your responsibility. You are not bad. If you're loving God, serving God, obeying God, and seeking God, if the healing doesn't come, it is a lie of the enemy that it's because of you. If you don't have a baby, it's not because of you. If you are loving God and serving God and seeking God. If there's not peace in your home, if you are loving God and serving God and seeking God and relying on God, relieve yourself. Relieve yourself because the gift is about the giver. Can you stand? Fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does the Father in heaven know how to give? And this same God who takes care of me, this is what I want you to walk out of this building knowing. And this same God that did this for me surely can do the same for you. He'll supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. I'm going to leave you with one thought, and I'm going to give you time to come up and pray. I know many of you have places to go and things to celebrate. When Stone was seven, he started begging me for a pair of Heelys. You know what Heelys are? Tennis shoes with wheels. Demon shoes. <laughs> and he started begging for a pair of Heelys. Mama, can I have a pair of Heelys? Everybody's got Heelys. I said, I hear you. I'm thinking about it. Came back the next day. Mama, can I have Heelys? Everybody's getting Heelys. I'm, I heard you. I'm thinking about it. The next day and the next day and the next day. Mama, are you going to give me Heelys? Then it changed to, you're not going to give them to me, are you? You're not going to let me have Heelys. Everybody's got Heelys, but you're not going to let me have them. Then it would go a couple of weeks. and Mama, please give me Heelys. I want Heelys. I won't hurt anybody. I won't do it in the mall, Mom. And I said, I'm thinking about it. What he did not know is that the week after he asked for those Heelys, I went and bought him a pair of Heelys. I wrapped them. I put them in the guest room up on the, the shelf in the closet waiting on Christmas morning. 
You don't know how hard it was for me as a mom when he was begging for those Heelys. Begging, begging, especially on days when he had been a good boy. That one day, remember? <laughs> I really wanted to give him those Heelys. I wanted to bring him in there and say, look what I've done for you. Look what I've done for you. You're going to love me so much. You're going to love me. Look. But if I had, then come Christmas morning, it wouldn't have been the same. It wouldn't have been the same. It wouldn't have been as awesome. I had a reason for holding those Heelys. And God is the giver of all good gifts. Trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. It's not that He doesn't have the gift. Trust Him. It's not that He doesn't have the answer. He's got a reason for withholding. We trust Him. We trust Him. Can you bow your heads, please? Jesus Christ, whom we serve and love and believe in and trust, would you please do a work from the left to the right and the right to the left in this congregation today for every hurting mother, for every hurting wife, for every hurting man, for every grandmother that is holding on for an answer, for every young girl that is holding on for an answer, for every father. God, would you please revive in them a trust. Let them find your presence that they may have joy and find strength until the day that you feel is perfect to give them their heart's desire. Let them delight in you. Delight in you so strong and so deep that their very desires change. God, we ask this in your name. In your name, Jesus. In your name. I'm going to ask if you'll do something as I turn this back over to the pastor. Many of you may have to slip out, but those that can stay, if you have a need that you've been praying for, seeking God for, asking for, and you just want someone to agree with you, agree with you that I will have joy and I will have strength while I wait to hear from God on this. Because this could be the day that he says, that's her for you. This could be the day that he moves heaven and hell for you. Would you just, Pastor, do you have a prayer team that could come and stand? If you're a prayer team member, if you would just come and stand down the front, just stand across the front. And if you feel so led, as Pastor Gary begins to sing, to come and just unite with someone and say, I want you to agree with me on this thing. I want to welcome you to come, Pastor. Feel free to come. I will rejoice. I will rejoice and be glad. Feel free to come. I will rejoice. I will rejoice and be Jeff.
myself
Give myself away. 